Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. About one out of five classes in California are taught by teachers who are underprepared. They don't have the proper credentials. Even more concerning, students from low-income families are more likely to have unqualified teachers than students from wealthier households. EdSource looked at the data and found that there are 40% more teachers in poor schools who lack the required qualifications than in the richest schools. Somebody who graduates from San Diego State's credential program who's been in my class for their student teaching is going to be on an entirely different level than somebody who has been in a six-week summer course and, and, you know, jumped in. Why does credentialing matter? What are California and its school districts doing to address this issue? Here is this week's Education Beat with host Zadie Stavely. Thomas Courtney is a fourth and fifth grade teacher at Choyas Mead Elementary School in San Diego Unified. And he's been a teacher there for 24 years. He's seen a lot of other teachers come and go. And he says experience and training matter. What our students need is for us to understand that students are diverse. They want diverse things. They're excited to learn. They have a lot of different things that they're bringing in the door. And these are strengths. These are, these are not issues, they're strengths. So a credentialed teacher you're gonna see when they're in the classroom begins to understand that and builds off of that with really sound pedagogy. Thomas is also a guide teacher with San Diego State University. That means that every year he has student teachers who are still working on their credential in his classroom, learning from him and getting experience with his students. He tries to work on developing a warm presence, but with high expectations. What he says is key for classroom management. But often, especially in schools where families are mostly low income, many teachers are not only from outside the neighborhood, they're also not credentialed. If they're not properly credentialed, if they don't have that time experience to properly apply those practices in real earnest ways, then they tend to lean towards being a disciplinarian. And that is not what our California students need. It's not what my students need. For students, having a teacher without credentials can have a variety of negative impacts. For example, Thomas says teachers without full credentials don't have the preparation to teach reading because part of a properly credentialed teacher's training is to be able to identify why a student is struggling to read. They're going to know how the development of reading goes in the first place. They're going to take in the course about uh, reading comprehension, reading accuracy, and reading fluency. And they're going to be able to assess that student within the first week and identify that, that child has a major issue with phonics. Phonics, that's sounding out words, understanding the sounds different letters make with others. So we know that that person is capable of assessing that the student doesn't know phonics and then is able to teach lessons in small groups to target that exact need, right? But a non-credentialed teacher is not going to be able to do that. So they, that non-credential teacher very likely is going to be in that classroom, is going to see that that student is not able to read, is not even going to know that one of their major queuing systems isn't even in place, and then isn't even going to know how to teach it to them. And that is a very scary thought. That's not a classroom that I think that anybody I know would want their child in, but does a parent in an impoverished neighborhood, many of whom will not speak English, many of whom 
walk in the door trusting us with their children, are they going to know that that teacher doesn't have the ability to know that? This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, why do kids from low-income families get more uncredentialed teachers? My colleague Diana Lambert has been covering this issue for EdSource. Hi, Diana. Hi, Zadie. How are you? Pretty good. So, Diana, EdSource found that among all schools statewide, the rate of unqualified teachers is lowest in the wealthiest schools and highest in the poorest. And there are 40% more teachers in the poorest schools who lack the required qualifications than in the richest schools. Some districts are doing better, some are doing worse. In my home district, Oakland, only 57% of teachers are assigned to classes they're credentialed to teach. And the district also has the highest disparity of any other large district between rich and poor schools. Dana, this may sound like a silly question, but why does this matter? Having a fully qualified teacher in the classroom? I mean, all research has shown that students do better with a fully qualified teacher in the classroom. I mean, right now, because of teacher shortage, we have teachers in the classroom who haven't finished teacher preparation in some cases. They haven't done student teaching in some cases. And there are even teachers who are credentialed that are working on waivers to say, teach social studies instead of what they're credentialed for, say they're credentialed for math. And they just don't have the subject matter competence to teach the course correctly to these students. And why are underprepared teachers most concentrated in schools with more low-income students? You know, that's hard to say in Oakland where they have the biggest problem. They have the most in the state, uh, teachers who are not qualified to teach the courses they're teaching. They say it's because of wages and high housing costs. Right. And they particularly have, there's a high cost of housing in the Bay Area. And then in addition, Oakland's Oakland's salary schedule is, is among the lowest in, in the county, right? Right. Thomas Courtney has some ideas about why more teachers without credentials are teaching in schools like his, in low-income neighborhoods. One reason is flight. In San Diego, it's called North of Eight Flight. A teacher would start teaching south of the 8 freeway in a more impoverished neighborhood and after a certain amount of time would then go to teach in a more affluent neighborhood as a veteran teacher north of the 8 freeway where there's less impoverished neighborhoods and, and folks. But this isn't unique to San Diego. Thomas has talked with teachers in other school districts and they've shared that they have their own terms for this kind of move, where teachers start out in schools with mostly poor kids and then once they have more experience, they move to schools in wealthier neighborhoods. Thomas hates this phenomenon, but he doesn't blame the teachers. I believe that uh, of all the teachers that I've worked with who have moved away from my area, I believe that every one of them wanted to stay. I don't know that one of them, and these are dear friends of mine, I don't know that one of them said to themselves, gosh, I'm tired of these families, I'm tired of this poverty, uh, I'm tired of these darn kids. I want to get out of here. I honestly believe that they said, I am tired of not feeling like a professional, not feeling like an expert, not feeling like I am being as inspiring as I can be. They leave because they worry about narrowing the curriculum around the test. They worry because they don't have that internal ability 
to make flexible decisions. They don't feel like an expert. They don't feel as though they're able to do what they most need to do in the classroom for their kids. Thomas says often teachers just don't have the support they need. An impoverished neighborhood is going to have other issues that are going on. Those issues sometimes impact our classes and they're not properly funded. So we don't have the support. For example, we might have more mental health needs than a school that's less so because we know that economics impacts that, right? Now you're going to put all of that on top of a person who is not credentialed in the first place to handle it, right? And so what are you doing? Now you're talking about a very young person who's really kind of treading water. And when you're treading water, you're more likely to focus only on the bare minimum, like test scores. They're going to be more under pressure to teach exactly to what is asked of them. And if we're going to talk policy, we got to talk about the fact that that is going to be money tied to the test. And that is where their bread and butter is going to be. So they are going to make sure that they're teaching those things that their administrator asked them to do. Thomas says his own school changed for the better when teachers and administrators began going out and asking parents what they wanted. And they found that parents didn't want schools to just improve test scores. They wanted to have dances. They wanted to have the daughter-dad dance. They wanted to have the mother-son dance. They wanted to meet for hot dogs on Saturday and invite the Fern Street Circus. They wanted to have mariachis come on campus and teach the kids how to dance on their time. They wanted theater. Basically, what they were asking us to do was not focus only on test scores and to create a community. Now Thomas loves his school so much that he sent his own kids there. Diana Lambert and fellow reporters John Fensterwald, Danny Willis, and Emma Gallegos found there's some good news in California. Even though kids from low-income families are still much more likely to have uncredentialed teachers, the state is making progress on this. You know, this has been an ongoing problem for many, many years, but actually there has been a great deal of improvement. Although it is still really dire, uh, we are seeing great improvement, especially amongst the uh, larger school districts. One of the big ones, obviously, is LAUSD. So can you tell me what they did? Well, LAUSD has really made an effort to ensure that the teachers are equitably distributed across the district. And I think actually now they have teachers, more teachers who are qualified in the lower income communities than they do in the higher income communities. But also they've had a real problem with hiring teachers. The new superintendent, Carvalho, has assigned teachers who generally are used to train other teachers as well as administrators to classrooms that have a vacancy for teachers. That brings more qualified teachers into the classroom. Right. And so they're there kind of for the year, but hopefully eventually they would be able to go back to their regular job. Well, LA Unified, like most districts in the state, are really stepping up the recruitment efforts. Many districts are offering signing bonuses, offering extra training and other supports to keep teachers in the classroom. A lot of districts I talk to are talking about changing their cultures or making their cultures more welcoming and comfortable for teachers so that they can retain teachers in the classroom. Yeah, and I know in Oakland, um, John Fensterwald wrote particularly about Oakland, and one of the things that they're trying to do is um, this whole idea of growing your own, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of grow your own efforts across the state and some supported by the state itself where they're trying to turn bus drivers, uh, office staff, and even lunchroom staff into credential teachers by supporting them through school. 
Are there any differences between rural and urban districts? Yes, rural districts actually have the biggest problem attracting teachers to their districts. And that's because they have a smaller pool of teachers to pull from. So they often have the most inexperienced teachers. But there are always a few like Button Willow Elementary School District that have managed to have a really high rate of qualified teachers because they offer incentives, training and support for their teachers. Districts are coming up with a lot of different things they can do to attract and retain teachers. And not only are they offering signing bonuses, but they're often getting big bonuses to their current teachers so they don't leave and go to other districts. And in um, Button Willow, for example, they're also giving gas stipends to teachers so teachers don't turn around and go and work in a district closer to their own home. They're also trying to attract uh, teachers to the communities. For example, in El Dorado County, they're trying to bring in more teachers by sending out glossy brochures showing whitewater rafting and skiing and all the different things that they can do in the community. So they're trying to sell their communities in order to sell their jobs. You know, it sounds like the state and districts are doing a better job, but there's still a lot that has to be done. So what, you know, what still needs to be done or what can be done statewide to make sure that, you know, all students really do have qualified teachers? Well, there are a couple things that can be done. Uh, first of all, there has to be a will by the district to make sure that teachers are equitably distributed. It sort of has to be a partnership with the unions. Everyone has to be on board for that. But I think the key right now is just uh, the teacher shortage, uh, bringing in more teachers to go into teacher preparation programs to become teachers and supporting these teachers so that they stay in the classroom. Right, which involves which includes like better salaries and more support, right? I mean, it just depends on the district, some, you know, what the salary structure at that district is. But sometimes it's it's just having extra time to do teacher preparation, to do class preparation. And uh, in one district, it was Buttonwell Unified. They brought in a physical education teacher as the elementary school district. So elementary school teachers got a one hour break to work on class preparation. That really helped them to feel supported in the classroom. A lot of education experts think that the state should cover the full cost of teacher preparation, as well as maybe housing during teaching and childcare. They think that this would go a long way to encouraging people to become teachers. Thomas Courtney agrees. He says it would make a big difference if California did more to help teachers in schools with the most low-income students finish their credentials. And he thinks a key part of the solution is also to train more teachers of color. Thomas says before he began to teach, he didn't know much about the neighborhood he teaches in. In fact, he'd never even been to a restaurant there. Over time, he's come to love the neighborhood. But he sees new teachers all the time who remind him a bit of himself all those years ago. I can't tell you the number of people over the years who have come to begin teaching at Choice Meaning. I say, hey, let's go have Mariscos next door to the school. It's amazing. And they go, are you serious? This is a tough neighborhood. Or we're going to go eat. We're going to go eat tacos over there. And I say, it's the neighborhood in which your children that you're going to teach live. It's the neighborhood in which my daughter goes to school. Okay. When people are saying things like that, I think it's indicative of the fact that it's, it's not just whether or not a teacher wants to leave. It's whether or not a teacher understands the area they're teaching in in the first place. The way to solve that problem, Thomas believes, is to train more teachers who are from the same or similar neighborhoods to those their students live in. 
I have a gentleman in my classroom right now. I'm very proud of him. His name is Mr. Felix, and he's my student teacher from San Diego State. He's Latinx, and he lives in the community of Webster located right next to the school. And you can tell from day one when he walks in this classroom that he understands those kids. They understand him. He's talking about all the things that are going on in the neighborhood. That is a gentleman who I firmly believe is going to have a basis for wanting to stay in that community in the first place. We already know that research shows that the students and he are going to bond very well. And we already know that he is going to set a higher expectation on average than somebody like me. Let's think about that for a second. So for me, the answer to keeping more credentialed teachers in the area is incentivizing what they need in the first place and looking at who we're hiring. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools, a production of EdSource. You can find Diana's story at edsource.org. And you can also find a database where you can search for your own school district and see how many teachers are under-credentialed. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Special thanks to our guests, Thomas Courtney and Diana Lambert. Also thanks this week to John Fensterwald, Danny Willis, Sunny Xie, and Emma Gallegos. Our CEO is Anne Baskis. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join me next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode.